He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Our guest in this half hour is Reed Brody, who's an author and counsel uh, and spokesperson for Human Rights Watch. Uh, he joins us now to talk about uh, the uh, the face of tyranny uh, around the globe uh, and how we can uh, inspire some hope in the midst of all that. Uh, and we'll get him to share, uh, I think, an inspiring story about bringing dictators to account. Reed Brody, good to have you on this program. How are you today, sir? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Davis. It's good to have you on the program. Let me jump right in and make the most of our time here. Let me let me just start with this. For those who are unfamiliar with the work of Human Rights Watch, tell me about the work and witness of this uh, organization. Sure. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I left Human Rights Watch about a few years ago after after working there for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Human Rights Watch, to, like Amnesty International, is one of the premier human rights organizations in the world. It monitors uh, uh, abuses, um, it reports on them, and then it advocates to try to change, uh, to stop those abuses by, uh, by putting pressure, by raising the cost of abuse, um, by, by shaming um, sometimes uh, by trying to get sanctions or, or um, other diplomatic uh, or economic pressure. Um, uh, and it works in, in, in all, all parts of the world, including the United States. Yep. When you t- t- tell me about the pivot from from HRW Human Rights Watch to the Nation magazine uh, as a columnist there, and what you were hoping to accomplish by being as a uh, being a part of this organization to then writing about these issues for the nation. Well, I felt like um, uh, after leaving Human Rights Watch, I mean, I now continue to do this this kind of work mm-hmm. uh, around the world. I'm doing it independently. But I also thought it was important to bring it to a public audience. Um, I particularly write about issues uh, like double standards mm-hmm. uh, in international justice. My specialty has been, as you mentioned, you know, going after bad guys, going after dictators, helping victims. Um, but, but we see that in this field there is a real double standard. Um, it is, you know, I mean, it's never easy. Um, but one can bring to justice, uh, you know, a, 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 an Augusto Pinochet of Chile or, as I, or my case, a Hissen Habre of Chad. But when those abuses are being committed by powerful Western actors, mm-hmm. um, it, it's much more, in fact, it's almost impossible. And we see with the International Criminal Court in The Hague, um, we see around the world um, that powerful Western actors tend to get away with atrocities or with supporting abuses. And that's what I wanted to bring in my writing for the nation and, 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 and for other publications. Mm-hmm. Here we are at the start of 2024, and I mentioned this point yesterday that um, whatever we think this year is going to bring us, we know for a fact that we've brought at least a couple of wars. There's certainly more than that, but the two that stand out, for most Americans, I think, are what's happening in, um, with, you, uh, with Israel and, and, and Hamas, of course, uh, Israel and Palestine, and then, of course, Ukraine and Russia. That continues unabated. Um, and it, it raises questions, as I said earlier, about how we find some hope in this year in the face of the tyranny that, that abounds. You have written and done all kinds of work 
around the issue of, uh, and you teed this up a moment ago, on the issue of U.S.'s, the U.S. mistreatment, the United States' mistreatment of prisoners in this so-called war on terror. What can you tell me about where you think we are with the way that we treat or maltreat people in 2024? Well, as you said, I mean, the, the you know, I, I wrote for Human Rights Watch when I was there several reports on how, in particular, the Bush administration um, treated prisoners in the war on terror, Guantanamo, um, the use of, of, of what we would consider to, to be torture, things like waterboarding prisoners, uh, things like sending them, uh, 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 re- rendering them. Um, to countries like like Syria and, and Libya, where they were tortured, where knew they were going to be tortured. Um, and when I was at Human Rights Watch, we actually put out a report showing what the case would be for torture uh, for George Bush, George's son, for 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 for, for Dick Cheney, for George Tenet, uh, for Donald Rumsfeld. Um, but nothing ever happened. Uh, nobody ever. You know, uh, President Obama came in, he stopped the torture program to his credit, but his policy was let's turn the page, let's not look back. And yet when other countries do this, you know, we, we demand uh, that people who commit torture be brought to justice. Um, but I also think, I mean, you mentioned two very, you know, the, the leading concerns uh, in the world today, which are, which are Ukraine uh, and Israel-Palestine. Um, when Russia... You know, invaded, committed its, its you know its aggression against Ukraine, began to commit daily war crimes. There was a massive response from the international community, from the international criminal court, as there should have been. Um, the people sprung into action. The prosecutor of the international criminal court um, went to Ukraine to describe the country as a crime scene. Uh, countries, other countries including the United States, who's not even a member of the International Criminal Court, um, you know, rushed in to support the International Criminal Court uh, in its investigation. The, and the ICC has, in fact, indicted, as it should, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, already for the, um, for the transfer of children from, from Ukraine to, to Russia. Um, uh, on the other hand, when, um, when Israel... Uh, in, in response to the to the uh, October 7th criminal attacks by Hamas, when Israel um, has now um, you know pummeled Gaza into the ground and, and, and killed one out of every hundred people in Gaza, and has attacked hospitals and schools and has prevented humanitarian assistance from coming in, we've seen largely um, a, a much less. Uh, aggressive approach from the international community. Let me, when we come forward, I, w- I want to get your read on why you think we're seeing a less aggressive approach um, given what Israel is doing, to use your phrase, pummeling uh, Palestine, pummeling Hamas. And your read is that we're seeing a less aggressive approach from the world community. I want to get your sense of why that is and get your phone line fixed. The longer you talk, the worse you sound, and we can't tolerate that. We want folk to hear you. You're listening to Reed Brody. At least you will be listening to Reed Brody a little bit better when we come forward on Tavis Smile. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! 
What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Joey from Vermont. A farmer trying to get through the winter. Adriana from South Carolina. A single mother living paycheck to paycheck. Liam from Ohio. An injured father struggling to provide for his family. Hi, I'm Shanola Hampton. And I support the Feeding America network of food banks because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. I have a dream. dream. On Friday, January 12th, as we head into Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. annual holiday weekend, KBLA Talk 1580 will announce a historic climate justice campaign aimed at California communities of color. KBLA Talk 1580 is joined in this historic effort by both public and private partners, including LADWP, Metro, Caltrans, Cal and Dow, the Sierra Club, and many other partners. There's a clear connection between Dr. King's moral conscience on the notion of reverence for all human life and the future of our world house. This year, on the MLK Holiday Weekend, KBLA assigns itself the task of elevating the climate conversation by amplifying the voices of those who are most impacted by the climate catastrophes we are witnessing in real time. Stay tuned for more details at KBLA Talk 1580. Climate Climate is is king. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Reed Brody, uh, who's a columnist for The Nation magazine, veteran war crimes prosecutor, uh, and um, spent a lot of time working with Human Rights Watch. Um, you were saying, watching my time, was getting away from me, Reed. You were saying a moment ago that, to your mind at least, the reaction of the world community has been, I think I don't think anybody in, this, any, anybody in this audience, that is, is surprised by this, but I think we probably agree with you. But I'm curious as to why uh, you made the point a moment ago uh, that the reaction of the world community to Israel's pummeling of Hamas, as you put it, has been different than in other situations and scenarios. Yeah, well, it, kind of, it also depends which world community we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the The West, uh, has certainly, um, you know, rushed to the defense of Ukrainian civilians much more than Palestinian civilians. But very interestingly, last week, uh, South Africa uh, filed a case at the World Court, uh, at the International Court of, Ju- of Justice. That's, that's different from the ICC. The ICC, the International Criminal Court, is where individuals are prosecuted for war crimes. Um, the International Court of Justice is the the world court of the United Nations, which decides disputes between states. And South Africa, in, in a very in a landmark, unprecedented uh, uh, filing, uh, filed a case accusing Israel of violating the Genocide Convention, of committing genocide or inciting genocide uh, or threatening genocide uh, in. Uh, its war 
in, in Gaza. And that is, is, is a potential game changer um, because you have a country that has a lot of moral authority, uh, uh, South Africa, uh, invoking a treaty that both South Africa and Israel have signed, the Convention Against Genocide, and going to a court uh, that uh, is hard to uh, uh, disqualify. The International Court of Justice, the United States, in fact, uh, uh, currently the United States is the chair, Mm -hmm. has the presidency of, of the International Court of Justice. So I think when we talk about, when I, in fact, when I talked about the international community in the first instance, I was talking really about the West. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if we look at how uh, the world lines up on, on this conflict, we see, in fact, that the United States uh, is quite isolated. Uh, it had to use its veto uh, at the Security Council to prevent a resolution uh, calling for a ceasefire. Uh, it then watered down a resolution um, a, a subsequent resolution uh, so that it didn't call for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the General Assembly, an overwhelming number of countries um, have called on Israel um, you know, to stop uh, uh, what many see, uh, I think, correctly as a campaign that is, that is, that is riddled with, with, with war crimes. Yeah. When we come forward in our remaining moments, I want to, I want to just, I want to uh, push you on this notion that what South Africa did, it's a bold move. Uh, we saw this happen, of course, last year, late last year, we discussed it on this program when South, South, South Africa made this move to break with, uh, uh, with Israel uh, over the pummeling of, uh, of Palestine. Uh, again, it was a major story. We discussed it on this program and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, though, as to how you'd respond to people who perhaps somewhat cynically would say that nothing that any black South African, any black African country who would do uh, could be considered game changing. It was a bold move by them. But is it putting too much on it to call it game changing? Uh, we'll talk about that in our remaining moments. We'll read Brody when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. If you're like me, 60 and retired, making ends meet, especially here at the supermarket and drugstore is tough. I'm so blessed to have found BenefitsCheckup.org. It's a free and confidential website from the National Council on Aging that connected me to $1,200 a year in programs that help pay for food, medicine, utilities, and more. Maybe it can help you. BenefitsCheckup.org. My daughter was diagnosed with a rare malignant rhabdoid tumor on the spine. They sent her straight to St. Jude. My hope was gone. But when you get there, everyone's like, hey, we're not going to give up. And when you see other people not giving up on your child, that makes all the difference in the world. When I found out I didn't have to pay, I was just grateful. They saved my baby's life. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Hey, Reed Brody, got about four minutes left here, and I want to come back to this issue that you raised a moment ago. It's clear that um, that um, South Africa was rather bold um, in their move, uh, and um, there are many people celebrating uh, their genocide case against Israel. It does, in fact, set up a high-stakes legal battle at the U.N.'s top court, but again, a bold move for a country to take Israel to, to court 
over the genocide uh, as uh, they see it in uh, in Palestine. And yet you refer to it as a game changer. And I raise this question only because I know people are cynical about Africa and African countries and whether or not anything that they do in a battle uh, of these proportions could be seen as could be seen as game changing. Tell me why you use that phrase. Well, because if the ICJ issues a ruling uh, that Israel is uh, committing or inciting genocide, um, that ruling is binding. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it, it, theoretically it's binding. Uh, obviously the, the, um, the, the ICJ doesn't have troops uh, to back it up, and, and the, the normal enforcement mechanism for an ICJ ruling is the Security Council, of course, where the United States has a veto. Um, but a ruling from the world court uh, that Israel is 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 uh, has to cease and desist, uh, which is which is what would which is what is going to come up next week in, mm. in, in the the effectively uh, an injunction hearing um, is binding not just on Israel but it means that people who support Israel um, who provide arms to Israel um, are also uh, coming under. Uh, 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 you know the purview of that decision, and and disab- and, dis- and and disabuse me of the notion that if in fact that does happen, that Israel just won't ignore it and keep doing exactly what they're doing. Oh, I think they might. I think they. I mean, look, the United States did that as well when the United States was ordered by the ICJ to stop supporting the Contras in Nicaragua. Precisely. Walked out of the court and just continued continued to do it. Exactly. Um, but that's the kind of thing that, you know, not all, a lot of European countries, a lot of countries down the middle, in the middle, are going to say, wait a second, we have a ruling from the world court. Now we are going to have to think about, you know, our attitude to this. So I, I don't, it's not going to stop what Israel is doing, um, but I think it's going to, 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 you know, to make it a lot harder for other countries to support that. Yeah. Um, from your mouth to God's ears, we, we shall see. Um, uh, I got about 90 seconds here left with regard to this particular crisis. Do you see this thing um, uh, letting up in, in, in any way? I, we, we keep reading stories that Israel's pulling some troops out of certain parts of uh, this battle. But do you see this thing uh, in any way slowing down in the near term? Well, I'm not uh, I'm not an expert on on, on the Middle East. I, I think. You know, Israel is making the same mistake that the United States made after the attacks of 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world was sympathizing with Israel after Hamas's attacks, like they were sympathizing with the United States. And then we just went to the dark side, and yeah. that's what Israel is doing. And I think Israel is losing all that sympathy. I don't see how this is making Israel safer. Nope, you can go too far. Uh, and uh, we are we are Exhibit exactly. A. We, the U.S., Exhibit A. In that regard, and now Israel right. Israel is offering itself up as as another exhibit, but I digress on that. Uh, Reed Brody, uh, author, uh, longtime uh, uh, executive at uh, Human Rights Watch, columnist for the Nation magazine, veteran war crimes prosecutor, and his latest book is called "To Catch a Dictator." Reed, out of time now. Uh, thanks for your uh, your insights today. We'll have you back on somewhere down the road. Appreciate you, sir. All the best to you. Very much. Thank you very much, David. Good Take to have care. you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Reed. Good to have you on. Um, Benny Thompson, when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.